Welcome back to The Brainy Bunch, a student-run podcast that dives headfirst into the vast world of neuroscience. Listen in as we unfold some of the latest developments in the field, look back at how we got here, and look forward to see where neuroscience can take us. My name is Hannah Jacobson, and you're listening to The Brainy Bunch. Today we'll be talking about your gut microbiota and how they influence the brain and behavior. Gut microbiome research is exploding in all fields, from medical and nutritional studies to anthropological and comparative evolutionary research. And everyone wants to know more about what the gut microbiome does for the human body. So to start, and maybe even introduce you to a discussion on the microbiome for the first time, let's discuss what your microbiome is what it does for the body, and just why it's so important. So microbes are found all over our body in many different habitats, such as on your skin and in your oral, nasal, stomach and gut, and urogenital cavities. Most of these single-celled microbes are bacteria, but some are archaea, fungi, and they can even be viruses. But for this podcast, we'll mostly focus on the bacteria that make up our microbiome. And what's super important about the bacteria is that they aren't just germs that we come in contact with, which can be the common perception of bacteria. Instead, they actually contribute to a number of essential physiological processes in the human body that we could not function without. And in exchange for these functions, the human body gives microbes a place to live, and the energy they need to continue growing. This kind of relationship in which each member offers something beneficial to the other is called symbiotic or a mutualistic relationship. So let's take a second to contextualize the gut microbiome and its size in comparison to the human body. There are tens of trillions of microbial cells that live in our body, and they outnumber human cells by a factor of 10. The gastrointestinal tract, which includes your stomach and small and large intestines, is home to about 100 trillion microbes, or about 70% of your total microbiome. These gut microbes have their own genes that help them digest our food molecules and make new products called metabolites, which can then be used for other purposes in the human body. These microbes do perform other functions apart from these, but that might have to be a different podcast. So in total, the gut microbiome accounts for about 3 million protein encoding genes. For context, the human nuclear genome contains only about 22,000 protein encoding genes, which is about the same size as a fruit fly or a mouse. So a great majority of our genomic diversity can be attributed to the microbes that live within us. You are truly never alone. I always like to start at the very beginning, so bear with me as we go back a few centuries before catching up to some modern day research. The first experiments examining the microbiome were conducted in 1683 by the Dutch scientist Antony van Leeuwenhoek, who examined plaque from his teeth and a fecal sample under a microscope, only to find that there were tiny little creatures swimming about in it. And while this does not sound like a very appetizing experiment, it was a very important initial discovery. Unfortunately, it then took the better part of the next 300-something years 
for scientists to really be able to study the microbiome since it relied so heavily on modern lab techniques that were only invented in the past 20 years. And even after the technological advances of the early 2000s, scientists still weren't looking for microbial communities in the brain since it is a sterile environment that is shielded from microbial colonization or invasion by something called the blood-brain barrier. However, recent breakthroughs have proven that the gut microbiota, in addition to its impact on other essential processes, also impacts brain development and behavior. Though it should be noted that there is not actually a microbiome in the brain, the gut microbiome is just communicating with it. So I feel like it's totally understandable to question what your stomach has to do with your brain since they're kind of far apart and this research is really new. So let's talk some more about what these microbes all the way down in your gut have to do with the control center that is your brain. We'll take a look at some experiments that scientists have used to show there is a connection that allows the gut and the brain to communicate. There's preclinical evidence showing that the gut microbiome and its metabolites impact behavior and brain processes, such as stress responsiveness, emotional behavior, pain modulation, ingestive behavior, and brain biochemistry. These studies used germ-free mice, which are mice that have no microbiome at all and live in a sterile environment, to examine gut-brain communication. The mice showed reduced anxiety-like and depressive behaviors, as well as an altered stress and fear response. They also exhibited what researchers called social impairments, such as the reduced preference for new social situations and increased repetitive behaviors. In other studies, researchers used mice with an abnormal microbiome and that were socially withdrawn. They showed that transferring the gut microbiota of socially withdrawn mice to otherwise normal mice was enough to make them socially withdrawn as well. Together, these studies implicate the gut microbiome in regulating or modulating the host's social behavior in some way. This is actually a really interesting point, so let's take a second to look at it more closely. Socially withdrawn behavior of the host might be an evolutionary advantage for the microbial community because if the host is not socializing with others, there is less chance of microbial exchange. So the chances of the host acquiring new but competing bacteria is very low. So essentially, it benefits these bacteria in the abnormal microbiome that were examined to produce a socially withdrawn phenotype or behavior in the host in order to minimize competitive risk. We'll dig a little bit deeper into the nitty gritty of some mice experiments in a little bit. But for now, we know that the gut and the brain are communicating and that the last two experiments we discussed established this. But what these studies don't tell us is just how the gut and the brain communicate, which is the next step in our puzzle. Microbes communicate with your brain through something called the gut-brain axis, or GBA for short. The gut-brain axis is bidirectional, which means signals can travel both ways, 
from the gut to the brain or the brain to the gut. Now, the GBA includes many different systems in the human body that together facilitate the communication between gut and brain. But we're going to focus on a more specific section of the gut-brain axis for simplicity. And this is the link between your central nervous system, which is your brain and your spinal cord, and the enteric nervous system. The enteric nervous system is an extension of the parasympathetic nervous system, and it physically wraps around your intestines. The enteric nervous system is responsible for the contractions of the intestinal muscle, and as you can imagine, that's a function that's pretty vital to life. The second pathway of the gut-brain axis that we'll be discussing in more detail today is the bloodstream, which works to connect the gut microbiota in the intestine with the brain. Next, we're going to take a look at the different types of signals that actually use these two different pathways. In total, the gut can send four different types of signals to the brain. Because we're focusing on a certain portion of the gut-brain axis, which is the various nervous systems involved, as well as the bloodstream, we're only going to focus on the two signals that use these pathways. So the first type of signal we'll talk about is a nerve signal, and it goes from the gut to the brain in a kind of relay race. Microbes can activate the enteric nervous system, which, if you'll remember, is wrapped around the intestines, which is where the microbes live. And once the gut microbes activate the enteric nervous system, it can then send the information to a nerve called the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve finishes the job and relays the information all the way to the brain. The brain, in turn, can send information back down to the gut through the central nervous system, or your spinal cord, which is also in the form of a nerve impulse. The second and third type of signal that the gut can use to communicate with the brain, we won't really focus on, but since they are a part of the gut-brain axis system anyway, we'll mention them. And they are gut hormones and cytokines. The fourth type of communication, which we will focus on for this podcast, are called microbial metabolites. As we discussed in the beginning of this podcast, gut microbes can produce metabolites. These metabolites can travel from the intestine into the bloodstream and eventually to the brains. So we'll focus on microbial metabolites because, and as we'll see, they can actually impact the host's behavior by affecting something called myelination in the brain. All right, this is a lot of information, so let's do a quick recap. We know that the gut microbiota communicate with the brain through the gut-brain axis by sending signals such as nerve impulses or metabolites. Next, we're going to look at how these two types of signals can impact brain function in different ways. Our first look at how gut signals impact brain function and disease centers on the enteric nervous system and Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease is a progressive nervous system disorder that affects movement and symptoms appear as neurons in the brain die. While it is not yet completely understood why these neurons die, the misfolding of a certain protein in the brain called alpha-synuclein has been implicated. 
There's a hypothesis in the field of Parkinson's research that states that the earliest signs of Parkinson's can be found in the enteric nervous system. A certain strain of E. coli found in the gut makes a protein similar to the misfolded alpha-synuclein in the brain. Researchers hypothesized that the E. coli in the gut were providing a template for misfolding in the brain. And while researchers aren't 100% sure how this template is sent to the brain, the most likely pathway involves the enteric nervous system. Researchers think that a signal containing the abnormal folding information is sent from the gut microbe into the enteric nervous system, which then sends the signal to the vagus nerve, which then, finally, relays the signal to the cells in the brain responsible for the protein folding. Next, we'll talk about our second signal type, microbial metabolites. Among their many roles in the human body, microbial metabolites can influence the myelination of the prefrontal cortex, and this in turn regulates behavior and can influence health and disease. So if you've been listening to our other podcasts, you might have heard of both myelination and the prefrontal cortex, but let's do a quick crash course just in case you haven't. Myelin forms an insulating layer around the axons of nerves and helps nerve impulses travel quickly from one nerve cell to the next. A special type of cell called oligodendrocytes make this insulating sheet in a process called myelination. The prefrontal cortex is a part of the brain located in the frontal lobe and is responsible for complex behaviors and memory function. What's super important here is that myelination of axons in the prefrontal cortex takes place well into adult years. So any changes to the development of the prefrontal cortex during youth can significantly affect behavioral responses. And this has been seen in both mice and humans. The gut microbiome has recently emerged as a key player that can affect myelin formation and thus the development of the prefrontal cortex. One study showed that socially withdrawn mice had changes in their gut microbiome that inhibited the proper formation of the oligodendrocytes, which are the cells responsible for myelination. The inhibiting factors were different microbial metabolites produced by the altered gut microbiota. The metabolites were secreted in the gut by the microbes and traveled to the brain through the bloodstream. There, they had the power to directly or indirectly impact oligodendrocyte formation and impaired their ability to myelinate axons. The overall effect of the microbes involved was to reduce myelination. Specifically, altered myelination in the prefrontal cortex has been associated with autism, anxiety, schizophrenia, depression, and social withdrawal. These connections between the gut and the brain and how they influence potential disease states are important because it has been difficult to find therapies that successfully mitigate disease states in the brain. The microbiome, on the other hand, is much more easily shifted and can be at the center of targeted therapeutic methods. 
certain pro or prebiotics may provide an avenue of possible treatment in the future. And generally, microbial metabolites are beneficial to the host. And though we've seen how they can negatively impact brain functions and disease states here, in some cases, the metabolites that are produced can even slow or prevent disease states. And they also stand as a potential avenue for future therapeutic methods. So we've been talking about a lot and we've used quite a few new vocabulary terms, but what exactly have we learned? We now know that gut microbiota directly influence brain function and development in more ways than one. Here, we described two ways that gut microbes send signals, either through nerve impulses in the enteric nervous system or metabolites through the bloodstream. And both of these pathways allow the gut to directly communicate with and influence development and function in the brain. The functions and pathways that I've described here are only the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. A fraction of a fraction of the knowledge that we now have on how the gut microbiota influences brain function, development, and overall health and disease. And gut microbes do so much more than just influencing the brain. Bacteria in our gut and across our body work with our nuclear genome to ensure that we stay healthy. The field really is expanding exponentially, so if you found this interesting and want to know more about how the gut microbiota interact with your body, be sure to look up and keep up with research that's being churned out in so many fields. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Hannah, and this was The Brainy Bunch.